And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Hello, everyone, and welcome. We are live from the bunker. Jason Hunt here. We're sounding all right there? All right. What? Now we are. All right. We might, maybe, possibly have our audio issues possibly dealt with i don't know now it looks like my camera's out of focus again let me check that welcome everyone it is open line wednesday cam 1138 welcome see you in the chat there and uh what well if i can't if i'm not talking nothing's on the no, <laughs> things on there well oh oh Okay, Mrs. Boss hears something in the audio. Stand by, everyone. Let me. I apologize. Go listen. Do you hear it? If it's not one thing, it's t'other. All right. So we have static in the line somewhere. I don't. Okay, you can turn that down, so now we know that it's something. Hmm, interesting. Static. Where is the static coming from? Because I don't hear static here. In my headphones, hopefully it's not something that's uh, we're over-modulating anywhere. Cam, uh, since you're here, do you hear any uh, any static on your end? Let me look here. It's always, there's always something, right? Hang on here. I still hear it. I don't know what that is. You know, if it's not one thing, it's another. Uh, because I just spent, yesterday I spent, and you can see here, uh, these these 18 different video files here are me testing uh, the audio configuration, trying to remove an echo that apparently started to show up yesterday. And finally got that figured out. But now I guess we have static we've got to figure out. Well, that sounds like electric interference. Like a like a a cord, like an audio cord is up against an electrical cord is what that sounds like, but I haven't moved any cords. I don't know. Hopefully it's something that is can we live with it? Are we? Is it something that's going to bother everybody? Because I'm going to try to track this down, but I don't know how long it would take, and I don't want to take away from the show. But 
I also don't want to give you a garbage show. So, I don't know. Is it just, it's just a minimal little thing under the, under the surface, maybe? I'm loud enough to cover it. Okay, well, let's see. All right, Cam says it's not too bad. So we'll go with it, and let's see if we can track this down. I'm not sure, because I don't, I don't hear it in my headphones, which means that it's somewhere past... It's somewhere past the audio board, and it's from the computer out. So we're going to have to, to do some... I'll have to do some troubleshooting. So my apologies, everyone. Uh, the comments are open. The chat's open. Email live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com. And uh, we have a newsletter you can sign up for if you want to do that. And of course, we're on all the socials. And we've got a news, uh, I already mentioned the newsletter, Twitch. Uh, we're broadcasting to YouTube and Twitch and Facebook. On Twitch, we're trying to get our follower count up to 100 again so that we can start our watch parties. Uh, and and we've got quite a list of titles that we're going to try to to get to 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 take a look at that. Um, hello, Stephanie. Welcome in the chat. Uh, YouTube, uh, yes, Sci-Fi Snob. There is a newsletter you can sign up for it at SciFiForMe.com or in the show notes. Um, so and it's good to see you. Haven't seen uh, haven't seen Snob in here in a while. Uh, hopefully everything's going well for you. So. Um, I mentioned before that it looked like over the weekend um, we had some YouTube shenanigans where our follower count, we lost six in our follower count. And it's not substantial, but there are other channels that have lost quite a bit more. And I was looking at all of the analytics, uh, the, the YouTube analytics and all the other uh, ways of measuring performance here, and I didn't see anything where the count had gone, where we'd lost actual subscribers. And I log in today, and the six are back. And it doesn't look like we've gained or lost. I don't know what it is. But apparently, maybe, uh, the YouTube view count was just going to got thrown off. So I guess we haven't lost anybody, which is good. So, uh, by the way, if you are not subscribed yet, we do invite you to do that. Uh, it's not absolutely necessary for enjoying our programming, but uh, anyway, it does it does help. Uh, Sci-Fi Snob says, we should have a newsletter. People like newsletters. Squeaky wheel gets the grease. Yes, we do have we do have a newsletter. Uh, and every now and again, we put that out probably yeah, semi-regular. I try to get at least one out a month to squeak a little bit. All right, so speaking of numbers, there is this uh, article in The Observer. Was Zack Snyder's Justice League a hit for HBO Max? Here's what the data says. And I haven't had a chance to go through this yet, but it's an analysis of what happened over at HBO Max. Guesswork, really, because you don't really have uh, statistics. But it does look like uh, there's a little bit of a spike, maybe. Um... I don't know. It, I'm, I'm going to have to go through this and see. Uh, but it looks like Zack Snyder's Justice League here. This is according to uh, Real Good, which is one of the measurement tools, number two. 
behind WandaVision's uh, first episode. And it it looks like uh, it's at least holding its own as far as the benchmarks for the, the streaming services, retention, and, and that sort of thing. But there's a lot. I mean, you look at this map here, Falcon and the Winter Soldier doing well in all of these blue states. Um, so it does, uh, it does look interesting that it's trended, trending, trending. It does do, do well. It has done well, but that doesn't mean anything to, to Warner Brothers. And, and it just goes back to that, uh, Hollywood Reporter article yesterday detailing some more of Ray Fisher's complaints that... Um, I don't know. It seems like, you know, everybody talks about the, the, um, Civil War inside Lucasfilm. It doesn't seem like, uh, the AT&T crowd is getting along very well with the Warner Media crowd either. So we'll see how that goes. Hello, Robert, in the chat. And yes, Snob, I hate it when the jokes are over the head and I deliberately... Uh, did I, I deliberately did not look up for that. So, all right. So it is Open Line Wednesday, which means we're going to put a StreamYard link out, and anybody who wants to jump in can do so, and we will uh, we will see what we can see because you know I take my life into my own hands here when I do this kind of thing. So let me. Where is it? Let me do that. No. That. Copy that there. All right. So here we go. We're going to post the link. There it is. So anybody that wants to jump in, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to go into my socials here. And see if anybody wants to uh, jump in and promote projects. We will see what happens. So, um, so in the meantime, while we're waiting for people to show up, if anybody shows up, Savage <laughs> Snob asks if he should jump in and save the show. Why not? Uh, why not? Um, I don't know. Should sh would that save the show? Is the show in need of saving? Oh, you're calling him out. What? It, it's well, it's possible that you know there there is no saving the show. I might do best to cut my losses and just end the show now. Maybe. All right. The rules for anybody who wants to jump on here. Uh, be polite. We're not going to have any flame wars. We're not going to dox anybody. So, uh, that's that having been said. So, there we go. All right. So, it looks like we've got our first victim, <clears throat> first guest. It looks like Cam1138 is here. Hello, Cam. Hi. How are you doing? Nope. Uh, where's the audio? Cam, we don't hear you. Wait a minute. That's on me. Are you there? Hello? Hello. There you are. 
All right, now um, you might want to check and see about an echo because this may this may go through. Let me let me change that. All right, Cam, go ahead and try again. Hello, hello. All right, so this is going to be one of those things where I'm going to have to move my. Okay. Well, we're going to have to do it this way. All right, Cam, go ahead and try it again. Testing, testing. You guys can hear him. I'm not able to hear him because of the way I've got this thing configured. So go ahead, go ahead, Cam. I think I've got it figured out now. Okay, can you hear me? I, there you are. There you are. Hello. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing good. The gremlins, the gremlins are here. All right. So how's it going? Good, how are you? I'm good. I've seen you frequently in the chat, uh, and and it's good to good to have recognizable names, people who are regulars. So, uh, what's 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 your story? What's up with you today? Uh, I don't really have a topic. I just thought I would uh, stop in and say hi and say I appreciate your guys' show. Well, I appreciate that. Are you a are you a lifelong fan or? Recent convert? What's your what's your history in sci-fi and horror and fantasy? Uh, lifelong fan, pretty much. Yeah. What got you into it? Well, I guess I'd have to say Star Wars. Um, before that, um, it was more cowboys and Indians, cops and robbers kinds of things. You know, when I was yeah. a very little child, and Star Wars turned it all around to sci-fi. All right. Well, that's cool. What do you think about the, the current iterations of all of those things? Well, I think it's generally going downhill. The um, Star Wars specifically, uh, I'm not a happy fan right now at all. Um, I, I, I'm actually not a negative towards Disney, Star Wars specifically. Mm -hmm. I'm not a sequel fan, but the rest of it I was fairly um, fairly happy with. Yeah. But the, you know, their political nonsense and everything, which, you know, you've touched on on the show is very much not to my liking. And uh, I'm not going to spend money on them anymore. You know, I find it ironic, you know, with with Bob Chapek on the on the uh, investor call saying that Disney's not not political. And at the same time, you've got all of this stuff that's going on with Georgia and back when there was uh there was some kind of an an abortion re legislation that was passed in Georgia and Disney was one of the ones that was very strongly vocally opposed to it and i'm thinking wait a minute how can you say you're not political when you've threatened to take all of your business out of Georgia over this so yeah it, i i agree with you the the politics of everything seems to overshadow anything that would be remotely good out of any of those those studios, not just Disney, but, but all of them. I don't, I don't see too many other studios getting as political overtly as Disney has done. But, uh, but yeah, you're right. It does, it does cast a pall over everything else. So. Well, the good news is, um, there are more independent alternatives coming out now. Yeah. And I started thinking, I was looking around my home and, and how many Disney products that I have. And it's a substantial amount of uh, items and money. And Disney might not care that I stop buying from them, but an independent creator, that can make a real difference in their, in their early career. Yeah. And I encourage 
other people to think about that, where they spend their money and what it means to creators and how that can help them. Well, now, are you uh, are you heavily invested in uh, a lot of the indie comics scene? Yes. Yes. Yeah. How much? How many of those have you gotten? Uh, I don't know the exact number. Over a hundred. I've uh, campaigns I've backed at this point. I'm sure. Okay. All right. Looks like Stephanie Janicek is standing by. Let's go ahead and head her head add her in. Hello, Stephanie. How are hey. you? Hey, Jason. Hey, Cam. How you doing? Hello. Hello. Doing good. Great, so we're just going to kind of do round robin free for all here today. So what's right, uh, what's right. your story? I've seen you in here a few times. I've seen yeah. some seen you in various different other chats on different channels. So how you doing? Yeah. I'm doing great. Uh, I had an early morning doctor's appointment. Got that done. Dog is dragging vermin into the house now. <laughs> so we got that going. But you know, I, I just uploaded a new video uh, about. The new Afra book has a dramatis personae oh, that yeah. is so insulting. I can't even. So I just kind of let loose. Well, I looked at that, and and I haven't I haven't looked at the book, but it looks like um, that particular list of you know that because I know the dramatis personae is is used in a lot of books to say here are all the characters that are in this story. Yeah. But this particular one looks like it's written from the point of view of Dr. Afra. It doesn't look like it's a, 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 a generic editorial note so much as it's in character of the rest of the book. Am I reading that right? You could be. I don't know. I mean, when you kind of look at the way the story group has been behaving, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, you know nothing shocks me anymore. Yeah, but no, this book is told. This book is told from Afro's point of view. Is that right? Because I, I, I haven't, I haven't read it. I haven't looked at it. So, well, I don't. I, I think so. Um, I looked at the author, and uh, I think she's probably got the same issues that Justina Ireland does yeah. from the from the Asian side of things. Um, it's just really. It's to me. It's just par for the course. Even if it is told from Afro's point of view. It really is kind of degrading and insulting. Um, a, a lot of the uh, the people, there are people that really like the character, and it's like, but this is this is not good writing. This is not this is not a character that belongs in Star Wars, in my opinion. Um, so I just did a video on there, talked a little bit about the High Republic through Afra in there. And then added, uh, why are they republishing these three top-selling EU novels? You know, and yeah. you know, it's it's just very interesting to me that they can't get any, they can't get any traction with with, with what looks to me as garbage. Yeah. You know, Cam, have you been looking at any of the of the um, the new Star Wars comics or, or any any of those uh, extensions out of the sequels? Uh, I. I was following a lot of the Star Wars, most of the Star Wars comic line, not the sequel one specifically. Um, the ones set in the Rebellion era, like the original Darth Vader, second Darth Vader, where Dr. Aphra showed up originally. Mm -hmm. And I thought those were pretty good. And even the main Star Wars title was pretty good. Um, I haven't been reading it recently. but no, that, uh, was, that started with Jason Aaron. 
uh, doing that run when it relaunched at Marvel. Are you talking about that that part of the run, or, or did you come on board later? No, yes, from the beginning of when it relaunched at Marvel. Okay, all right. Uh, Robert in the chat was asking about Resident Alien. I have not watched it. Have either of you seen Resident Alien over on Sci-Fi yet with uh, no. with Alan Tudyk? No. Uh, no. No. But we, we, I get. I think I'm going to have to because too many people have been bugging me about it. So I might do a a binge on what's I've been out seen there so far. A lot of good good buzz about a lot of positive yeah. comments so yeah. uh, and and alan tudyk is is generally fun to watch so yeah it's on my list but i haven't uh i'm have, still watching the, i'm still going through the sopranos so you know i mean i <laughs> i'm a i'm in a, a mafia kick right now so no yeah. I'm, I'm going through that Sci-Fi Snob says, you should read real sci-fi, not crap from hack writers who have to write in others' universes. Well, Cam was saying that uh, that he's been reading uh, he's been reading a lot of indie stuff. All right, Sci-Fi Snob is going to throw his two cents worth in from the future. Welcome, sir. Hello, hello. <laughs> All right. Hi. Yes? to go i'm here is he? oh all right there there we go all right my my volume knob did some twitchy things there so all right so sci-fi snob i, I have to come in and defend uh <laughs> resident alien okay well nobody's attacked it yet no you have to you gotta watch this show i've um it's very it's quite good yeah so uh, alan tudyk is a great uh, a great uh actor and he's pretty good at the comedy. It's a little bit of dark comedy, but it's not. Um, how can I describe it properly? It's, you know, it's not too obvious. The characters are well developed. I mean, after about the first two episodes of the show, I cared more about the characters. I, I'm watching other, you know, some other stuff like I'm trying to keep up on Supergirl and some of the Star Trek and stuff like that. You know, discovering all that. I cared more about the characters after two episodes of that show than I did about any of Star Trek Discovery, Supergirl, any of these, you know, shows that have come up that are, you know, have been panned by everyone. I highly recommend it. Um, I mean, it's, I'll give a little bit away here. Hopefully I won't spoil this too much, but, you know, the story is Alan Tudyk is an alien. He's come down and you find out in the first episode that he's come to basically wipe out the humans on the earth. So it's, it's a bit of a trope, but it's done in a way that's interesting and a little bit different. And of course, you're not sure where it's going to go. You know, he's got the, um, the problem where he's, uh, his, his race, they can, uh, change their appearance to look like humans. So as he becomes, you know, he takes over his character, and as he becomes, you know, more human, he kind of starts to uh, he starts to you know, understand us a little bit and sympathize a little bit. So right. there's that. But you're still not sure where it's going. And of course, the government gets involved a little bit. But I don't want to spoil any more than that. But highly they, recommend it. It's a great show. Um, didn't it just get picked up for a second season? They get renewed? I, I don't know. I haven't been following that closely. Yeah. I hope so. Says it has. You know, it's oh, you know, that's great. Um, it's a great show. We need to support these shows and watch them. I mean, I think 
there's been a couple of really good shows that come out that are kind of below the radar, which haven't been getting as good press or or people watching them as they should. And that's one of them. Uh, Raised by Wolves, of course, another one. Uh, sci-fi fans should get out and watch these shows. They're a little bit they're a little bit different. They're a little bit more um, uh, you know unusual, a little more original. Uh, Resident Aliens is based on a Dark Horse comic, which I didn't know before I started watching it. But um, that makes me think that it's, you know, the writing, the writing's very strong. So that's why it's probably, you know, it's got a good background of a good writer behind it. So my concern is that it goes three seasons on sci-fi and then it's going to get canceled, whether it's popular or not, because that's the track record for that network. So. Yeah, well, let's hope not. Let's hope more people get behind it and watch it and uh, it does better. So what makes a good science fiction story for all of you? What what draws you in? Because, Stab, you're talking about getting, there, there are tropes in this one, but it's handled a little bit differently. What makes for a good science fiction yarn? Um, well, okay, I'll go first. Um, probably the story. <clears throat> um, the characters, they have, to, they have to be relatable in that universe. The universe has to feel like it's real too. Yeah. I think one of the reasons why Star Trek and Star Wars did so well is that they made it feel like it, it, it was accessible for all of us, not just something that you know is too weird for for humanity to to to, to deal with. Um, and there has to be things that attract people to the stories, things that we things that we know, romance. Uh, a journey of sorts, uh, exploring the different facets of what makes a human being human. One of the things I loved about Blade Runner is what does it mean to be human? I think that's something that you can go through with every science fiction, in science fiction fantasy to a certain extent. Um, but that's what attracts me and stuff like that. Yeah. Cam, what about I, you? I think in... Any fictional work, the the setting is what really appeals to me. So if they if they do the setting right, I'm going to tend to like it. In sci-fi specifically, it's also the technology within that setting, the science portion of it essentially, has to make sense within it. It doesn't have to be realistic. It doesn't have to be hard sci-fi. But if their technology that the sci-fi portion of, of the story depends on is just a mess – then it's a dead property to me. Okay, so what about what about those times where your your technobabble? Because there's a lot of times in Star Trek where the technobabble gets in the way, uh, but it's overcome by the character arcs and the development in the actual plot itself. Are you are you are you looking at? how the technology is used and the internal logic and consistency being more important than how the, how the plot is laid out? I wouldn't say it overwhelms the plot. And in, in, in classic Star Trek, well, I should say not modern Star Trek, yeah. uh, the technobabble worked for me, even though it, you know, they pull a lot of stuff out and it's like, oh, look at this particular thing causes the story to work. Right. It, it, it seemed consistent to me because it was almost super science that they could do anything they wanted 
and they took the time to explain it. So to me, that works. That's that's the the way that they set up their universe. So so no, it it never co- uh, conflicted to me. Right. Snob, what about you? How what's what draws you into a good story? What's what has to be there for you? Well, I think in science fiction, the things that make a good story are the same as in any fiction. So the question is what makes science fiction different from regular fiction? And for me, I mean, there's a bunch of different reasons why, but the key thing I that draws me to science fiction is um, an author who takes some sort of uh, situation and takes it to an extreme and examines it for the human condition. So, um, you know, a, a story like Brave New World does that. Um, uh, it was mentioned, uh, Blade Runner was mentioned, you know, look in the future, what is it going to be like if we have artificial people? Um, you know, uh, there's a couple of, uh, you know, Star Trek episodes that do that sort of thing. Uh, you know, you can find lots of them, but an example where it kind of makes you think about, you know, current social conditions, it doesn't have to do that. But uh, I can, you know, the, the classic one I always um, mention is the one where uh, on Next Generation, where they go on the, down to the planet and nobody has a gender except this one character. I forget what it's called. Uh, the character identifies as female and Riker has a thing with her. And, uh, you know, they, they reprogram her later because she's right. against her society. And that, you know, that makes you look at you know, gender or, or sexual orientation in a different way. So, you know, those kind of explorations in science fiction, I find most interesting, you know, as opposed to a, a, a stri- you know, I, we still like our Star Wars, which is, you know, just a sci-fi space opera romp. But uh, those would kind of, those are the things that draw me, interest me most about science fiction stories. Are there types of stories that, science fiction should stay away from, do you think? Because, you know, the examination of the human condition being the way it is, and as polarizing as just about every topic is these days, you look at something like Dune, for example, or Stranger in a Strange Land, and some aspects of those stories touch on religion, economics, um, I mean, Stranger in a Strange Land, really, I mean, you have this entire church that grows up around Valentine Michael Smith. You've got religion as one of the main aspects of Dune. Are those, do you think, taboo subjects nowadays? Do you think if you picked up a book, a modern era book, or a TV show or something, and that was one of the principal foci focuses of the story would that be reason to check it out or reason to avoid it i i think avoid it uh not necessarily because that's a problem for me i think you could tell a good story about absolutely any topic but today the odds of uh, those stories being just thinly uh, veiled political screeds are is so high that i'm just not going to take a chance on it it doesn't mean that they can't exist, but the odds of it existing in a, in a way that they used to are, are very low in my mind. I, you know, I would say it would have to be written in such a way and that 
the political ramifications, and this is all up to the author. Because and if you look at some of the authors right now that I've been I've been uh, uh, researching and everything, just because they're just bad writers, they can't hide themselves. They can't divorce themselves from what they're doing. They have to reflect themselves in the main character, which a lot of authors do, but they do it in such a way it's blatant. It's like, yeah, I know who that is. It's, it's you. And she's spouting the same thing you spout every day. There's, there's too much. I think the authors can't be narcissistic. And I think we have a problem with that now. I think if you look at the old uh, EU novels, you know, some of the people that wrote those novels were Christian writers. Mm-hmm. And you couldn't tell that. You didn't know that. They were just, I mean, they wrote these books. They loved writing these books. They wrote them. And you find out later they wrote all these other books. That's like, wow. So you, if someone's a good writer, you have the ability to do that. Divorce yourself and write something good. If you're writing for a franchise, you didn't start. Even if you did start the franchise, you look at Tolkien. There's a lot of different things in there that are, that are you know, relevant to Catholicism. But they appeal to everybody, you know, and if it's a pure religious novel like that, it's not going to appeal to everybody. You have to be a good writer to do that. And a lot of people just can't do that anymore. They just, they don't know how to, and they weren't, they don't think critically. And that's the problem. Yeah, totally agree. Absolutely the problem. So the only thing that's taboo is... Nothing is taboo. The only thing that's taboo is bad writing. Yeah. So it's yeah. if there's a good writer, you can do it in a well, well, do it very well, and it can come across very well. I mean, and we've seen lots of good books like that. Yeah. Um, I I want to read books about you know the human condition and examining all those different things. Um, and uh, so I mean, I think this is why with the proliferative, pro, excuse me, proliferation of media out there, this is why. Uh, channels like mine shameless plug are good because it can um help people to point them towards you know good media that they might not have known about are there stories that surprise you like you know you cam like you're saying some of this stuff automatically is a red flag with some of these folks but are there some stories out there uh, books or, or movies or TV shows that have surprised you that you were expecting them to go full, you know, preach at everybody with a two by four and they didn't. And, and, oh, hey, this actually turns out to be a pretty good story. Have y'all encountered any of that of late? I can't think of any good examples. Um, a lot of times when I watch something, I don't have a problem with it. Um, and but then I find everyone else retroactively politicizes it, even if if the the creator of it had enough skill to not be too blatant about it. Yeah. Um, if 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 the creator doesn't do it, then the weirdo audience will. I'm um, I'm watching Superman and Lois, and there are a lot of people that are sitting there going, "This is really good. This is really good. When is it going to go sideways?" You know, there, there's yeah. that expectation. Yeah. Yeah. that at some point it's going to go off the rails and it really feels like it's not there yet. And, yeah. you know, the fact that they fired, um, oh, 
what was her name? Because she showed up in the she showed up in the in the uh, in the Ray Fisher not the Ray Fisher um the yeah the Hollywood Reporter thing the Ray Fisher article yesterday um oh shoot what was her name because she was on the writing staff for Superman and Lois she was the one who pushed for for Jonathan and Martha Kent to be people of color. Yeah, she also worked on the Krypton show, right? Worked on the Krypton show. And and she's mentioned she's mentioned in this Ray Fisher article and I thought, "Oh, that's an interesting coincidence." Except it doesn't really feel like a coincidence to me. Yeah, it it probably isn't. I I'm going to bring up a very old thing. A long time ago, I was a uh, uh, part of the early well, not the early Breitbart thing, but I knew a lot of those people. And I did a, I did one thing for them and they wanted me to do more and being an active duty off military officer's life. I just didn't feel comfortable doing that. But, uh, when Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull came out, one of the guys, his name will be, will rename nameless. I don't like him personally, went and lost his mind about it. They're going after McCarthyism and blah, blah, blah. So I kind of, I didn't see the movie at the theater. I watched it. I walked away going, I have no idea what you were talking about, but nothing, none of that. I didn't see that. Mm-hmm. All right. That's the thing. Is, and I am, I'll point out bias anywhere. But he goes as far as saying, I like Ike. In what world would a, where did, so where did they get, where did this anger at this left-wing bias come from? It wasn't, a, it wasn't exactly a, when I watch it, wasn't a commentary on McCarthyism the, in the way he said it was. It was an unfair attack on somebody who was on our side. And they wouldn't, you know, it was very, it, 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 it's, it's very interesting because after watching that movie, and I couldn't even, I, 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 I couldn't talk to the guy who wrote, who went nuts on it because he's one of the big editors, but I'm like going, He's lost his mind. I don't know what movie he watched. Do we run that risk sometimes of making assumptions and jumping to conclusions about something simply because of a of who wrote it or who's directing it or who's producing it? Do do we have that? Do we run that risk? Do you think where we sit there and go, oh, well, this is written by you know, what, you know we look at all of the speculation around Tanahisi Coates writing yeah. a Superman movie now and everybody is making the assumption that it's not going to go well to be you know polite and generous there are a lot of people who are making assumptions this is just going to be a disaster in the making yeah because really Tanahisi Coates has a track record in comics and his writing for the Atlantic, various different op-ed pieces, but we haven't really seen him in feature films, and and that involves so many other people in the mix. Once you finally get something on screen, yeah, are we jumping the gun sometimes on some of this stuff and make things worse? Yes, I uh, it, now as far as a specific author, uh, you know, who who has a record of. Uh, being ridiculous, let me put it nicely. Um, I, I don't really feel like I deserve or that I owe them a second chance. Um, and, and I'm not going to comment on it either without having seen things, but I have noticed that some people are are looking to be 
yeah. offended a little bit. It, it's like, oh, that's SJW, you know. It's like not really, you know, or, or it is mildly. But some people have a knee-jerk reaction um, because they're because they have been bombarded by so much of this garbage. Yeah. Um, and 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 you kind of get defensive about it. And then, you know, you're on a side at that point, as opposed to just being a neutral consumer. Yeah. The whole market has been distorted by this idiocy. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. Yeah. I, I think in the in Wonder Woman 84, uh, that was that was one of those examples where a lot of people were assuming that Pedro Pascal's character was going to be a Donald Trump type. And you look at the movie and he's really not. And everybody just kind of lost their minds at, at what they were going to do with it. But it's like you said, Cam, it's 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 based on an assumption and we have this knee jerk reaction because we've been conditioned to expect that kind of thing. I don't know, Stephanie, you were starting to say something. I jumped on you. I think people just prepare themselves to get, you know, kind of you're expecting the knife in the gut at, at, at some point in a movie. Um, when I watched, I mean. When I watched Wonder Woman, I walked away going, I'm a history major. In history of Germany is something I've studied. I walked away going, oh, my God, no one knows what they're talking about in this. That's what bothered me. None of the bias, if there was any bias messages, I didn't notice them. What bothered me was the bad, <laughs> the bad historical writing. And I was trying to divorce myself from the fact that it's just a comic book movie. But like Eric Ludendorff was blah blah blah, you know, and that was the thing that bothered me the most. But um, when you're but when you're talking about uh, people of a certain you know that lean a certain way, they go into a movie expecting to get to get sucker punched because they have so many times. Part of the reason that uh, I think Crystal Crystal Skull got panned by a lot of the people that I knew is they they felt sucker punched. I felt sucker punched by Shia LaBeouf and Karen Black, Karen Allen. I didn't, what are they doing here? Why? You know, that was the problem I had. I didn't see anything that they were complaining about as anything to complain about. But that's the difference in watching for the story, which I actually kind of liked. And I understood where Lucas wanted to go with it. Other th rather than looking to be, look, you're looking, you're playing whack-a-mole. Where am I? Where are my values going to be attacked? Yeah. And then I, that's all I'm going to concentrate on, and that's what they do. That's interesting that somebody had that kind of reaction to Crystal Skull because that movie came out a, a long time before all of this politiza politicization, po po the politicalness. Yeah. You know the 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 bifurcation it's you're either us versus them this side or that side all of that didn't come until after that movie yeah yeah and i'm i'm fine with the movie i mean i know what lucas was doing it's in the 50s you're doing the b movies the drive-in theater sci-fi type of thing with the yeah. with the aliens and and the yeah. whatnot yeah and i'm thinking you just cut out three-fourths of the jungle chase yeah and it's automatically a better movie yeah, that's yeah. an editing and pacing thing more than it is a story. Yeah, uh, yeah but that yeah. but your story, Steph, is first the first I've heard of anybody who's had that kind of a reaction to it in terms of the politics. If I remember to do it, I'll try to look around and see if I can find the articles written, and I'll send them to you. 
Okay. Because I was talking to people going, what movie did he watch? Yeah. But, you know, there and there's, there's, there's extenuating circumstances to this person. But I've had other people say it too. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. But that's where it started. That's where I saw the people on the right looking for things to be offended by. And now, I mean, it's this, this SUW start, stuff started in 2012, in, in my opinion. Um, now, it's like the left looks to insult everybody who doesn't lean that as far as they do. Mm-hmm. And they're just doing it to just make everybody mad. But listen, I got to go. So All I'll right. let you guys talk. All right. Okay. Thanks for nice meeting you. Yeah. yeah. Nice meeting you guys. And thanks for having me on, Jason. Okay. Talk to you later. And stop. Let me ask you, is, is, is this uh, the situation now where we're running the risk of overreacting on some of this stuff? Because like Stephanie saying, you know, the SJWs, the far left... Uh, are always looking for the boogeyman, you know, the 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 Nazi in the room, the white supremacist in the room, the 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 istophobe. You fill in the blank of what you don't like. But on the right, are are we are we jumping at shadows here? Are we are we in danger of doing essentially the same thing? Well. Um... I don't like to brag, but, you know, a couple million years of evolution will kind of, uh, you know, give you a bit of a different perspective on these sort of things. Absolutely. I personally just simply worry about myself. Um, I don't really care too much about what other people are doing. Um, going back to a couple of your points made, uh, you know, some of these writers, you know, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice. I mean... Do you really are you really surprised when people expect a certain thing from a certain writer who's written that way all their life? I mean, when you go and see a Michael Bay movie, you expect a lot of explosions yeah. because that's what that's all he's ever done. That's what he's done. If you go to a Michael Bay movie and you know you go, oh, look at all these explosions. That's not what I expected. I mean, you know, you're you're an idiot. You're a fool. So um, I don't fault people for you know sus- suspecting that this is going to be a certain way because this is the person is the writer. I personally, you know, I, I absorb the various thoughts of other people, what this might be about, but I wait to see what happens and uh, wait to see if it comes out. Now, if it's going to be a movie that, or a book or whatever uh, that I, you know, would normally be interested in, but seems like it might be ruined by, you know, some aspect of it, then I'll, I'll wait a day or two or a week or some time and let other people review it and find out what they say, read that, and then decide whether I want to see it or not. And um, I'll give you, uh, I guess, Wonder Wonder Woman 84. I haven't seen it yet. Um, it's a movie that would apl- appeal to me and my family because I have two daughters about, you know, the right age for that. We saw the first one. They liked the first one. But I heard bad things about it, so I, I waited. And, you know, my oldest daughter also saw some reviews and she goes, that sounds like crap. So we haven't bothered to, you know, see it. I mean, I'm eventually, I'll probably watch in a couple of years when it comes on free on TV for, you know, a movie of the week or whatever it's called. But I think that's the way, that's the, you know, the normal way to go about things. I mean, that's how I look at it anyway. Eastland's just arrived, says, uh, love resident alien. So there's, there's one on, uh, there's one on the, 
on the side of good there for you there's none it's, but it's to good. your point let me let me ask you this because this is something that i've t- that i've talked about before with regard to news articles and how stories play out uh and i've heard other people talk about this where you have the initial story you know the first headlines the breaking news and the assumptions are easy to make with regard to whatever that story is. And we all sit there and go, oh, well, we know how this is going to go. And then the story plays out. And you see this in, you see this with the riots, you see this with the with the George Floyd thing, you see it with a number of stories that are coming out about, you know, Gina Carano and the Warner Brothers and the Zack Snyder thing. I mean, it doesn't, where whatever your topic is, As things play out and as we get more information, we get more details on it, the stories generally evolve and they generally change enough to where your initial reactions are probably not justified anymore. And it sounds like to me you're kind of taking that same approach where it comes to, well, let's see what the reviews are. Let's see what the public reaction is. And then we make up our minds. Should we be doing more of that with regard to everything and not just jump on whatever assumption is the first thing out of the gate? Well, it's kind of the, they say what, the 24-hour, the 72-hour rule, um, I believe they call it. Um, I mean, just do it with, if you want to test it out, just do it with any new story that comes out, right? Initial, some big story that comes out, uh, I mean, you know, there's going to be, there's one almost every day. So look at what the first reports are of that story. And then, you know, look at it three days later and the story has changed yeah. um, because we've got a lot more information. So, you know, I would recommend to people to, you know, do that as well. I mean, initial reports are uh, usually wrong or there's a lot more information that change things i mean we see it every day there's every time in america when there's a shooting people are going oh it's a white supremacist again and then guess what 24 hours later you find out it wasn't and then the story gets dropped or whatever so um, not only that but we also have a media that's actively engaged in lying to the public in some cases i I think your media is is worse than it's been uh, ever because the number of actual journalists who actually do investigative and are actual real reporters reporting and not trying to put out some sort of narrative or something in in hard news is very few and if i if you go to the entertainment news or the you know video games or any of that stuff i think there's you know i you'd be hard pressed to find anybody in entertainment news or video games or something like that that doesn't just have an agenda that they're putting out or is paid off yeah. i don't know if there's any reporters in that in that area it feels that way with the with the way that the Snyder cut justice league stuff is playing out because you've got deadline and deadline and variety seem to be on one side and hollywood reporter puts this thing out and it just on on the surface, gut reaction feels like it's on the other side. It's on the Snyder side of things. And uh, Islam makes a good point. The media has its all its narrative already laid out, and they're just filling in the blanks with na- dates and names and, and place names. And, you know, we kind of got a little bit of that with that rewriting Ripley article, where they've, they've made the assumption, and now we're going to cherry-pick a bunch of different things that support that assumption, but we're not going to put anything in that refutes it or puts anything on balance. I'm starting to see more of that. 
I mean, we've seen it. We've seen it in news, but now we're seeing it in. I mean, we've been seeing it with the access media uh, covering various different things with Star Wars and Disney and Doctor Who and that kind of thing. And it really does feel like we're on the precipice of either, either it's going to this is this is the way it's going to be for the rest of ever. Or things are about to just completely blow up in everybody's faces, and it feels like maybe things are about to blow up. Do are we are we on the on the cusp? Do you think we're about to turn the corner, and and right the ship a little bit as it is? Uh, there's no reason to right the ship unless you know there's some sort of backlash to what you know. There's no re- no reason to change your behavior unless you're forced to do that, right? If what you're doing works. Or right, you're, you're, you're getting something from like, it. Like Newsarama uh, being folded into Games Radar. You've got Vox laying off a bunch of people. You've got all of these different news site, media sites that are shutting down or they're downsizing. They're starting to feel the pinch. And then you look at the comic book industry in a way that uh, you know Marvel and DC have finally now decided to drop Diamond. It it feels it feels a little bit like some of the places the grown-ups are starting to come back in the room and take over. Maybe, oh, or am I being maybe. a little optimistic? Maybe you have to, uh, you know, you have to be a traveler from the future to see the future, or something like that. I don't know exactly what's going to happen with that, but um, you know, I, I would agree that I mean, I personally, when it comes to entertainment, you know, that type of news, you know. I don't trust anything from any big news site. I will go to always to independent YouTubers or someone like that for my, for true, you know, some of the big names for true version of what, you know, this movie or is it good or not. Um, and I think it's increasingly more difficult um, to find that again in, in the hard news, the, you know, what's going on in the world. There are still some good reporters out there who report the facts, but they're a uh, a dying breed. I'm asking. And what about you? What do you think? Sure. The uh, the financial impact is there. I mean, look at comics um, in DC and Marvel. You know, DC it's been a bloodbath. They are suffering economic impact of years of um, poor product, as well as changes in the market. But the the hardest. Um, consequences don't seem to be coming through or, or they're they're not filtering down into what people are saying somehow they're able to uh, sidestep this so far it's just a question of when they're going to hit bottom as far as i could tell but but not yet yeah when do you think we hit bottom i don't know i keep on seeing things and it's like oh my god this is so ridiculous how can people keep watching this happen and and not do something about the Gina Carano thing. It's, it, it, it's ludicrous what they're accusing this woman of. It, it's just a whole, a complete fabrication, but they keep on going on with it. And, and who's paying the consequences for that? None of them so far. Well, let me ask you this because uh, I just, uh, ICV2 had an article, I believe yesterday that uh, IDW looks to be about to jump over to the New York Stock Exchange. And as part of their financial reports, they have to disclose, you know, all of their different business relationships and where all their money is and everything. And we've known that we've known that IDW has been in the red for a while. 
But it came out in this article that apparently IDW's contract with Diamond has expired. And they're working still past that, I mean, on the same terms. But IDW's contract with, D, with, with Diamond is gone. And they have, a, they have a contract for books through Penguin Random House, which is, you know, where uh, Marvel just jumped. I'm I, I'm wondering if if that's now a shift in like Cam's talking about. You're looking at the hard numbers now. You're looking at the financials. Where's the money? Where where are we hurting profit wise? And you've got Diamond that are, you know, Diamond's the 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 one messed up cog in the in the machine where you have damaged product, you have late shipments. You know, you've got all sorts of complaints about Diamond forever. And now it seems like IDW may be the next one to jump. It possibly, it, it could be one of those situations where, uh, you know, they're basically all living in some state of denial and and kind of ignoring the financials because they're able to get a lifeline from somewhere. Um, but if 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 those dominoes start to fall, they could fall very hard. I mean, if Diamond last year at this time when the COVID thing hit, you know, that was a pretty big. Uh, shakeup and they somehow recovered or at least seemingly so but how many more of those kinds of hits can they take before it all collapses yeah well and like rj points out uh rj hi welcome uh he's he's talking about how idw also has contracts with marvel it could very well be that those two companies are talking to each other and idw makes the jump here in the next i don't know what two months maybe less because if they're going to go public on the New York Stock Exchange, they're going to have to have some kind of a distribution plan in place that's solid. And they say, okay, here it is. It's scalable. This is where we're going to go for growth and, and, and that sort of thing. And if Diamond is dead, they're not going to be able to maintain that relationship uh, without some kind of contract, I would think. Yeah. I, I just don't know how, how it's going to fall. I'm, I, that whole situation is is a a powder keg, as as far yeah. as I can tell. I'm not an expert on on any of those issues, but it it's it's not good. Yeah, it feels like Diamond is a house of cards right now, and just going to be a stiff breeze, and it's gonna it's gonna all come collapsing down. Now they do have other arms of business with, uh, you know, collectibles and toys and that sort of thing. Uh, but it really does feel like their comics distribution days are almost over. Speaking of RJ over at Critical Blast, there he is. Hello, sir. Welcome. Hey, Jason. So I, I tune in and I find somebody going over the financials of IDW. Are you secretly that umbrella guy? No. <laughs> no, I am not that umbrella guy. I ran across that article yesterday and I thought, oh, this is interesting. Because I didn't know uh, I didn't know that, that they didn't have a contract with Diamond. And that that, to me says a lot that they're just operating on momentum at this point, but they're going to have to make some kind of a decision, I would think, on whether or not they're going to do uh, a solid relationship with Diamond and, and set up a new contract, or if they're going to jump ship and do all of their distribution through Penguin Random House. I'm wondering if they're going to see, because Marvel's distribution starts in October. I'm wondering how long it takes between filing the paperwork, you know, getting all of the all of the paperwork together for for 
the the stock option and then making that jump and making the decision. They've got to already be talking about it. I just wonder what is keeping Diamond alive right now? Because you know, when DC jumped, um, all the retailers were you know excoriating DC. Yeah. And you know, when Marvel does it's like, oh well, that's good business sense. Maybe. Well, it's good business sense because it's obviously that they're dying, right? When when DC jumps, it's like, well, they quite haven't, they're not dead yet. But when Marvel jumps, they're pretty much dead, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, what are they going to, what are they going to survive on? Uh, Dynamite and Dark Horse? Well, if they, if they, uh, if they lose Dynamite and they lose IDW, all that's left is Dark Horse and Image? Valiant. Valiant. And those companies uh, yeah, must be looking year. to get out as well. I mean, they're, they see the writing on the wall. You know, they, you've lost the big two. I mean, what's going to happen? Costs are going to go up. It's going to be too expensive for us in order to yep. be, distributed by, dis, be distributed by them. I mean, I'd be looking if I was any of those of the, you know, the top, you know, below the, if I wasn't at the top two, I'd be looking at that. It's only smart business sense. Yeah. Well, and this is the article here from, uh, from Milton Grape over at uh, ICV2. IDW Publishing and Diamond Comics Distributors are currently operating under an expired distribution distribution agreement parent IDW Media Holdings revealed in a filing on Monday. It's a securities registration statement. Uh, their intent is to offer up over 2 million shares currently held by existing shareholders and after the offering, apply for a listing on the New York Stock Exchange. So I don't know if this, uh, Robert was asking if this was an SPAC. I don't know if that's what this is. Because um, I'm not completely up to speed on how these things work. But it does look like they're about to do some kind of a something uh, to... Uh, to may, maybe solidify their financials because, you know, it's like, like Eastland says here, you know, false accounting makes diamond look alive because, you know, t you, you mentioned Tug. He's gone over a lot of those numbers for, for IDW for a number of years now. And they're what, 26, last time I saw they were $26 million in the red. I don't know how they can survive. I mean, everybody, everybody's looking for the Netflix deal, and everybody's hoping that that is the is, is the big money maker. But you can't count on that. I wouldn't think. No, oh, I don't know. Maybe they're, you know, there's there's. A, and there's a lot of stuff that we don't know about. There could be, you know, the personalities involved. There could be deals under the table. I mean, I find it interesting that these companies are operating without a contract with Diamond. That makes me think that Diamond's in a weaker position uh, because they've kind of just said, hey, let's just keep things going. I mean, you'd think they'd want to lock them in. They obviously, uh, you know, it seems to me Diamond would be in the weaker position in this case. Um, I would think so. Because of that. But... You know, who knows? 
Yeah, Robert says, everything getting funded on the stock exchange right now, companies can and will raise tens of millions selling stocks. That actually is a good point because we talked about this Monday uh, when we were looking at the Viacom CBS stuff and, and NFTs just as a, as a general topic. Uh, but uh, Matt Stevens had an update on the GameStop stocks because you remember when all of that blew up here on speculation here a couple of a couple of months ago and they decided to do a stock offering and they've they're raising a lot of money and now they're now they're flush with cash what are they going to do what's what's next for them you know, they took an opportunity. They saw, hey, our our stocks are going up. We should do something with this. And now they're now they do. Now they've had something. So, be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, all right, I'm not sure. Let's see. Um, here is IDW stock, IDW Media Holdings right now, down eighty four percent, four dollars a share. You know, maybe maybe we should buy some of this. That's a five-year uh, plan, but if you look at the, if you switch around like the five-day thing, notice it has had absolutely no impact from this announcement on the six. It has stayed at flat four dollars. Yep. Well, where is it traded right now? It's over the counter. It's OTC. Okay. I just I I don't know I don't know what they're hoping to do with that to get on the on the New York Stock Exchange. What what advantage would there be for that? Well, what does IDW even have that is theirs? They license all their properties. Yeah, that would be my question. Like if you're going to put yourself on the stock exchange, you need to you're going to have to have something. You're going to have to have positive, you know, you have to be making money or you've got to have some sort of plan or something that is going to make investors think you're going to make money for them to buy it. So what does IDW have? that would make uh, i mean we agree that they're not making money i think that it's been proven that they've lost lots of money in the past couple of years so are they all of a sudden making money or what do they have that you know people would think that they might make money in the future yeah that's, that's my question, question. yeah all right, I also Eastland's gotta run. thanks for being here Eastland. good to see you uh, and, and we're actually up on our hour, so uh, this was a good conversation. I'm glad all of you guys jumped in and uh, had your things what to say. So we'll have to do this again uh, very soon. So um, what's, uh, what's up with all of you guys? Do you have anything to promote, anything to share with, uh, with the general audience and public at large? RJ, I'm working on a review of The Devil You Know. I'm almost done with it. Oh, thank you. Edited by R.J. Carter. I liked it. I like. It. There's one story in there that I think doesn't hold up, but other than that, I think it was a fairly good, good I selection. Probably know which one it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what's next for all of you? Nothing. <laughs> no channel. No nothing. Just just a consumer. Well, okay. Uh, you, are are you looking at specific? Uh, uh, Indiegogo campaigns to back that you haven't done it yet, or you're on the fence with, uh, on anything. You're looking at your uh, next I one. I backed a bunch last night, actually. Um, I backed uh, uh, John Malin's newest one, uh, Adam Post's uh, Mermaids. 
Um, Gunship Thunder Punch 2 is out by Brian Shearer. That's a really, uh, that, the first part was really excellent on that. Well, if you're looking for things to back, uh, I would recommend Glenn in Monsterland. That's Glenn with a Y. Uh, and the company men, because the more he sells of those, the more I distribute, the more money I make. <laughs> Noted. How are the things? Uh, how are the things going with your with your distribution setup that you're putting together there with with Critical Blast? Well, still logistics. progressing. Um, you know, obviously nobody has nobody that has contracted with us or uh, made a client of themselves to us. That's a long way to say that. Yeah. Uh, has a product in hand yet because it's crowdfunding. Right. Uh, but the first one that we should be distributing looks like it will be the Embrace. Okay. And yes, Eastland, you can recommend one that you like if you want to share that and let us know about it. We'll take a look at it. Snob, what about you? What have you got coming up? Well, I guess you're going to embarrass me and force me to start putting out more videos, eh? It's been a bit of a dry spell. Yeah, but, well, uh, you know, you've got a YouTube channel. You might as well you might as well put something on it. I guess that's true. Yeah. All right. I guess I'm going to have to get back to work. All right. Yeah. It's It's been, uh, what? Two or three weeks since we've seen you in chat, we were starting to get a little concerned. It was like, well, well he must be taking a break. So, well, family and uh, you know the kids have been off school, and I've been trying to focus a little bit more on uh, you know spring is finally here from northern Alberta, so the snow finally melted yesterday. So, well, mostly. So you know, trying to get out. Well, and... It's it's good to see you back. Uh, Eastland says, Rabbi from another planet has uh, pinup girls and sexy guys. Okay, yes. so we'll check that out. Rabbi um, from another planet's comics uh, anthology is basically every cool show from the 60s mashed up into one book. So you've got The Prisoner, <laughs> you've got James Bond, you've got Doctor Who stuff. All right, we'll have to check that out. And uh, our, uh, if you guys want to give me... Uh, the links to your YouTube channels. We'll drop that into the chat and and share that with people. I know that puts you on the spot, Mr. Snob, but uh, that's something we can do to send people your way. And uh, Cam, it's always I'll good survive. to see you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for jumping in. All right, so this is... Let me see here. Critical Blast. All right, and then... Let's see here. I mean, we can always put snobs in there in, in the in the comments. Um, let's see. All right, so that's that's RJ's channel. All right, so that's going to do it for us. We're a little bit uh, a little behind, and there's okay. There's ah, come on, grab, grab that, and there is sci-fi. Oh, I'm starting to try to write our name. All right, there we go. So there's Sci-Fi Snob's channel. So you're going to go check those out and uh, subscribe to those if you haven't already. And uh, they're putting out some pretty good stuff, too. So we will be back with uh, more Live from the Bunker tomorrow. Uh, we do appreciate everybody being here today. I think this open line Wednesday went better than, uh, than the one we did last time. So we'll do it again at some point. So thanks everybody for being here and uh, we will be back with more tomorrow. Don't forget we've got a Tardis sauce coming up on Saturday as well as Good Morning Multiverse and uh, we will have...
of an interview with uh, Alex and uh, Alex. Oh, I can't remember. I can't remember the name of his book, but it just launched on Indiegogo last week. So we'll be catching up with him about that one. Um, so we'll be doing that, and then we'll be back tomorrow with more here. Right. So thanks Thank everybody you, for watching, and remember, thanks, there are Good night. four lights. Good afternoon. Have a good day. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi for Me Radio. Copyright 2021 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.